week, Kim White kicked off our series and talked about the weight and the power of our words. And so if you missed it, I want to encourage you, go to riverwaychurch.com and watch online and catch up. But today I want us to learn about how we can use our words to add value to somebody else's life. And really how this is God, in, how God intended for us to use our words. Um, I had an unfortunate situation just a few weeks ago, and I'm actually embarrassed to even tell you this story, but I was at my son's uh, football game, and they got a chance to play it every year. They get a chance to play at U.S. Bank Stadium, and uh, here's a picture of him uh, with my youngest son, and uh, this is them at, on the field where the Vikings play, and it was an amazing day. They didn't win the game, but, you know, it was a fun day. Well, we were in a rush to get there, and uh, my wife had bought the tickets up at the ticket counter. And now this is our third year at U.S. Bank Stadium going to this. And the family entrance has always been at the bottom of the stairs there. And so we're, we're kind of running late. And I have something that one of the players needed. And so I'm really trying to get in there quick. And so we run down these stairs. You know, it's a little bit ways away from where the ticket office is. And we open up the door, and there's two old ladies that are like these uh, security guards, you know, security guards. And, and they're standing there, and, and I gave them my tickets, and they're like, they're like oh, no, no, this, this, isn't, this is just for players only. This is not for families. And I was like, well, no, they said to come down the stairs, and this is where we've entered the last three years. And, and she's like, sorry, I can't take your tickets. you got to go up all the way around to the other entrance. And, and I said, can't we just get in? And she's like, no, no, right here. And, and they're like, well, they told us to come down here, and we're, you're telling us to go back up there. And here's these two old ladies just trying to do their job. And here am I in a hurry. And what comes out of my mouth next? I, just, I said to them, I said, well, you guys need to get your act together. And I turned, and I walked away all huffy and puffy. And as I'm walking away, my wife, she's embarrassed. She's like, Ryan, I can't believe you just said that to two old ladies and they're just trying to do their job. And I'm like, well, they need to get their act together. They should be telling us the right door. And as we're walking up the stairs, my nine-year-old daughter says to me, dad, that was really rude and not nice at all. Whoa. That doesn't feel great. I'll be honest. You know, hit me like a ton of bricks how the roles have reversed in, a, in that sudden moment. Uh, because as parents, right, we're always trying to correct the negative talk coming from our kids. And we say things like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. Oh, you've said it too. Okay, so it's not just me. Yeah, you know, and the good news is, when it comes to this idea of saying negative things, there's actually science backing this up. And as we start today, I just want, for all the science nerds out there, I just want to give you some scientific basis, even for what we're going to talk about today and how Scripture speaks into that. Uh, there were studies conducted by Dr. John Cassiopo of the University of Chicago. And he has found what he calls the negativity bias of the brain. Now, this is pretty interesting. And this is the first fill in your notes that science shows us that our brains are actually more sensitive and responsive to unpleasant news. Our brains are more sensitive and responsive to unpleasant news. Um, this is why uh, personal insults or criticisms tend to hit us harder. It's why those things tend to stick with us longer than maybe a positive word. And uh, not only do we have a built-in partiality towards negative information, but negatives increase disproportionately over positives. It's not a one-to-one -one ratio. In other words, one positive word cannot overcome one negative word. 
negative outweighs the positive. And so when you tell your spouse, thank you so much for giving the kids, you're giving the kid a bath tonight, and then five minutes later say, you forgot to take the trash out again, Dumbo, right? Those things do not cancel each other out. The negative drowns out the positive. And so your next feeling, our brain needs a higher number of positive entries to counterbalance this built-in negative bias. Our brain needs a higher number of positive entries. And several small, frequent, positive acts and words pack more punch than one big, giant positive you might give someone. And so the size of the positive doesn't count. This is what science tells us. The size of the positive doesn't count, but quantity does. We need lots of positive words, positive reinforcements, Uh, That would be why throwing your spouse an elaborate surprise birthday party would not make up for lots of negative remarks. One big positive cannot offset multiple negatives. And so then we ask, well, how many positives do we need? Uh, Well, at least two to one. That's what experts say, at least two to one. But in the closest relationships to us, the number goes up. In fact, in a marriage relationship, it is five positives for every one negative. That's what we need in our relationships. Five positives. So let's just take that in for a minute, right? Your closest friends, your family members, your spouses, how are we doing if it's a five to one ratio when it comes to positive words versus negative words? So important. Let me ask you a question. What's the most encouraging thing that anybody's ever said to you? Can you think of something? Maybe it's been recently. Maybe it was a long time ago. Is there anything that you can think of where someone really encouraged you? Uh, This past week, I got to share with a whole bunch of lead pastors about what we're doing in our community and the impact that it's having. And after I got done talking, I, I, I really honestly, I don't get nervous when I speak. I've been doing this over 20 years. I do get nervous when I do weddings, though. I get terrified when I do weddings. I, I just, it's such a big day. I don't want to screw it up. I, uh, you know, I just don't want to mess it up. But in a normal Sunday morning, I don't really get nervous. If I'm speaking to a group of people, I don't get nervous. But this last week, when I spoke to this group of 100 pastors, all lead pastors, I was very nervous. And, uh, you know, I was just like, man, I hope this lands well. I hope it goes well. I hope it inspires them to do some of these things in their communities. On and on and on. I got to brag on you for so long. It was so cool. But at the end of the talk, um, I had a bunch of my friends who were in the room begin blowing up my phone. And I had to leave because I had to catch an airplane. And, uh, but they just started blowing up my phone, telling me what, how amazing it was and how encouraging it was and how it inspired them. And, and just text after text after text. And I just thought, wow, this is so encouraging for me. It, it encouraged my soul. You know, we think about this encouragement. Um, you know, and maybe for you, it was someone who saw you close a deal recently or lead a team or get a promotion or talk in front of people or make something amazing out of your own creativity or maybe just simply a spouse or a friend telling you how amazing you've been as a spouse or a friend. Um, Whenever you've received that encouragement, whether it was recently or a long time ago, do you think that person ever knew the impact it would truly have on you? They probably didn't. They said something encouraging to you, but it was like It was like water for a quenched soul, right? It was something so impactful and life-giving for you that it lets you go just on those words 
for many days, maybe many weeks as you thought about that. And that's why I love this verse in Proverbs 25, 11, that says, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. A word aptly spoken. That means a word spoken at the right time. It's a thing of beauty. And because our words have that much potential, we understand scientifically what our brains need. Um, Even the Apostle Paul understood the power and weight of our words. And he gives us this incredible challenge in the book of Ephesians. And Paul is writing this letter to the Christians in Ephesus about 40 years after Jesus died. And after he rose again, Paul's writing these words to these Christians to instruct them on how to live now as a follower of Jesus. And for all of us also trying to follow him 2,000 years later, the truth surrounding the power of our words and the power of encouraging words is still as impactful now as it was then. And I just want to unpack this one verse because I think it's so important for us to understand and really immediately apply into our lives. And so this verse is found in Ephesians 4, verse 29, and it begins this way. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I don't know about you, but as soon as I read that, there's times I feel immediate conviction. Because this phrase, unwholesome talk, it means like a corrupt or a rotten word. Rotten words coming out of your mouth. Anything that would spread or cause rot in somebody else's life. Um, I don't know if, if any of you enjoy eating berries. I'm a big berry fan. Love the blueberries, love the raspberries, love the strawberries, love the blackberries. I'm a big berry fan. But I will say that I am overly paranoid when it comes to mold on berries. And I don't know if you're like this, if anybody else like this, but I, I have to inspect the, um, the berries before I eat them. I don't trust them. I just got to know. And if there's a hint of any mold, I cannot eat them. I just can't do it. Some of you might think it puts hair on your chest and that's wonderful for you. I just can't do it. I cannot eat anything uh, if it's close to being bad or moldy. Um, but this is the exact picture that Paul is trying to give us. That this unwholesome talk literally means do not let moldy words come out of your mouth that would cause any kind of mold or infection into someone else. Don't let it even leave your mouth. In other words, your next fill-in, do not let any words come out of your mouth that would tear others down. This is easier to talk about than live out, isn't it? Don't let any words come out of your mouth that would tear others down. Now, I think this is hard for all of us alike, but if you're anything like me, This is tough if you feel like you've been given the spiritual gift of sarcasm. Does anybody else have the spiritual gift of sarcasm? Yeah. This is really where it becomes difficult to manage. We like to lead with a joke or make light of a situation in someone's life, but there's always a little truth in every joke. Um, Or for some of us, uh, the true temptation is to talk bad about someone else because it makes us feel better. Who's that one person in your life that you kind of can't wait to get with and talk about that one situation or that person or that thing? And, oh, you've got something juicy you want to talk about because somehow it makes you feel better. You feel like you can't wait to talk about somebody else's shortcomings, somebody else's failures, somebody else's missteps. 
And Paul would say, it's just like moldy words coming out of our mouth and all it does is spread rot. That's all it does. And so Paul wants us to understand the power of our words. And he's saying, don't let the words come out of your mouth that will harm or tear down, but actually do the opposite. And so let's read this verse again as he continues. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. But only for what is helpful for building others up. In other words, we have to get really good at encouraging one another to build one another up, to build up our family members, to build up our brother, our sister, to build up our mom and dad, to build up our coworkers, to build up our friends, a spouse. That is our job, to build one another up with our words. Your next feeling, encouragement, literally means to fill someone with courage or strength of purpose. That's what it means to encourage someone else or build someone else to use our words, to actually fill someone else with courage or strength of purpose. And we've all been on the receiving end. When we've received those kinds of words, it's been life for our soul. It communicates that you're coming alongside someone saying, I believe in you and I'm with you and I care about you and I value you and I'm for you. Those are powerful words that come out of our mouth. Now, when Paul gives this idea, this phrase of building others up, it's actually a construction word. This is actually the type of word that is used here. It's meant for construction. It'd be like you owning a small house and adding on an addition. That's what encouragement is supposed to do in someone's life. Or adding on a four-season porch. Or having a small kitchen and blowing out a few walls and making it bigger and better. This whole word is about construction. To build others up. And so the question that we have to ask, and it's your next fill-in, is what are you constructing with your mouth? What are you constructing with the words that come out of your mouth? I don't know if you heard about the Hard Rock Hotel that collapsed this past week. It's just a devastating story. I want you to watch this clip right here. Parts of the building behind me now deemed safe enough to send search and rescue teams inside in hopes of finding those still missing. Panic and mass confusion in the heart of New Orleans. This morning, the upper floors of the Hard Rock Hotel, currently under construction, suddenly began to crumble. First responders scrambled to the scene. I need to see you as I can over to my location. We need to move all this crowd as far back as possible. Dozens of construction workers were inside the building as the concrete floors collapsed on top of each other. I mean, just a devastating story, right? As you watch this, one person killed, many people injured. And you look at the structure of this, and actually there was video of some people, engineers that were in there just a couple days before it's collapsed, videoing and saying, How, what a horrible engineering job this is, and there's no way this is going to stand. And as we watch something like that, we go, oh my goodness, it, it, it burdens our hearts to see something so tragic. And yet, if truth is told, for some of us, That's like live action of what our words are doing in people's lives. It's causing destruction in people's lives. It's causing them to feel less confident about themselves. Causes them hurt. Causes them pain. Causes them insecurity. 
Right? Sometimes the words of we, you know, we don't think before we speak and before we know it, words are out there and damage is done. See, we can tear someone down or we can build someone up and bring joy and hope and promise and purpose into their life. You see, your next feeling, our words can help others expand their life and potential. So choose words that build up. Our words can help others expand their life and potential. So choose words that build up. And I think we kind of know this and we just forget this. We forget about the power of our words. We forget how important it is to speak life into other people. But Paul isn't really done there. Then he continues to get more specific. And he says to build them up according to their needs. Look at this. Again, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may, what's that word? Benefit those who listen. What a great phrase. Are people benefiting from what's coming out of our mouths? According to their needs. And so let me ask you this all-important question. Who has God placed in your sphere of influence? And what do they need to hear from you? What do they need to hear from you? Husbands, what does your wife need to hear from you? Wives, what does your husband need to hear from you? What does your brother or your sister need to hear from you? What do your parents need to hear? What does that friend who's going through a tough time need to hear from you? A coworker. How could you encourage them? How could you add life to them? Parents. What are the words your kids need to hear from you? Grandparents, what do your grandkids need to hear from you? Our words matter. And Paul is saying we must learn, your next feeling, we must learn to be aware of what those around us need to hear from us. We need to be aware. Can we have an honest moment? There's a big difference between what I want to say and what they need to hear. Big difference. And oftentimes we run with what we think we want to say out of emotion, out of whatever it is, whatever's driving that inside of us, but there is a big difference between what we want to say and what they need to hear. And and Paul's saying it's our job to figure out what it is they need to hear from us that will benefit them, that will build them up, that will add another level into their life. Because the truth is I'm always encouraged. When, When my wife says something kind to me and encourages me, I'm always encouraged when a friend writes me an encouraging email or a note. It always lifts my spirit. Always, always, always. And I know the same is for you. It reminded me of this last night. I was watching uh, some of the baseball game. I don't know if you've been watching the playoff baseball. Uh, But amazing, uh, you know, two nights ago, New York, they were in New York. I mean, the roar of the crowd is unbelievable. They win, you know, and so they push it. You know, it was 
they had to win in order to keep going. And then last night, they moved to Houston. The Astros are playing. I mean, the place is going crazy. You know, in the top of the ninth, the Yankees tie it. Bottom of the ninth, home run to win the game. I mean, the place, you know, every time a pitch is thrown, the place is going crazy. And I got to thinking about home field advantage. And the power of thousands of people cheering on nine people on the playing field and the amount of momentum that brings to that team when they're playing at home. And in thinking about the power of our words, you and I have the potential and the opportunity to bring home field advantage to someone's life. We get to speak words of encouragement and life that brings momentum into their soul to keep going. Home field advantage, what a powerful thing. And we have that kind of power that we can bring into other people's lives. And it all comes down to the choice of what we say and what we don't say. And so if Paul were here, he would say, your next villain, choose to specialize in encouraging words not critical comments. Choose to specialize in encouraging words, not critical comments. And here's where everything gets ratcheted up just a little. That as followers of Jesus, this is a huge way in how people know that we are followers of him with the words that come out of our mouth. To let Jesus be seen through our words, through our conversations, private and public, to represent him and all that he has done for us with the words that come out of our mouth. And so the questions we begin to ask is, what are the words that will infuse grace into someone's life? What are the words that we can say that will infuse hope in someone's life? What are the words that we can say that would express gratitude in someone's life? What is it? Who in your life just needs to hear you say, listen, if you weren't in my life, I'd be a whole lot worse off. You've made a difference and continue to make a difference in my life. And I know that sometimes we think the thoughts and we don't follow through. We think to encourage someone, but we stop short of doing it. Why? Sometimes it's our own insecurity that wants to keep putting ourselves up higher. And so how do we do it? There's one simple way that every one of us can grow in this, and it's your next villain. To make a plan to be encouraging and follow through with it. Too simple, right? Make a plan to be encouraging. As you're driving home from work, you're thinking, what are some encouraging words that I can say to my family? As I'm driving to work, what are some encouraging words I can say to my coworkers? As that phone rings and it's your friend, what are some encouraging words I can say to my friend? What is it? To make a plan to be encouraging. And then to follow through. And the truth is, I think we grossly underestimate how deeply those around us need encouragement. You know how I know that? Because I need encouragement. You need encouragement. We all need encouragement. 
I think we grossly underestimate also the power of an affirming word and the difference that it can make in someone's life. Especially us guys. I'm going to pick on the guys just for a minute. We're not very good at this, guys. Because we just, you know, we just think other guys, you know, we're tough and we don't need encouragement. We got it all together, right? You know, we already think we're God's gift to whatever, you know, and so we don't need any encouragement. Or maybe that's soft. That's soft. We, we can't say nice words to other guys. That's soft. No, it's not. We need encouragement. And we need to encourage one another. If I were to say to you, there's a recipe that would bring you sweetness for the soul and health for your body. Sweetness for your soul and health for your body. There's not a one of us in this room that wouldn't want that recipe. Sweetness for your soul and health for your body. And yet Proverbs 16.24 says, gracious words are like honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Gracious words. We have this ever-present power to speak truth and life into the lives of people around us. And we can pray and ask God to give us those kinds of words that will bring sweetness to their soul and health to their body. It's just a great prayer to pray, God, I want to be somebody that breathes life into those around me. I want to be somebody that encourages those around me, that when when they're with me, they leave better than when they showed up. Wouldn't that be something great to aim for? See your last fill-in here. Speaking words of encouragement is a life-changing practice in obedience and humility. Speaking words of encouragement is a life-changing practice in obedience and humility. Why obedience and humility? Because sometimes the Holy Spirit's leading us to say things that we just don't say. And it's just getting in tune saying, God, help me to pay attention to that. Help me to notice when you're wanting me to speak into someone's life. And humility because our, our, it's our own temptation. Just kind of how we're wired, our sinful nature that wants to keep us better than others and promoting ourselves rather than others. But we have to fight against that temptation to lift others up around us instead of just ourselves. I came across this powerful story that I wanted to share with you before we close today that talks about the power of our words. And it reads this way. It, um, One day when I was a freshman in high school, I saw a kid from my class walking home from school. And his name was Kyle. And it looked like he was carrying all of his books. And I thought to myself, why would anyone bring home all of his books on a Friday? He must really be a nerd. I had quite a weekend planned, including going to the football game with friends that night, playing football the next day with some other friends, um, hanging out. And as I was walking, I saw a bunch of kids run toward him. And they ran at him knocking his books out of his arms and tripping him so he landed in the dirt. His glasses went flying and I saw them land in the grass about 10 feet from him. He looked up and I saw this terrible sadness in his eyes and my heart went out to him. So I jogged over to him and as he crawled around looking for his glasses, I saw a tear in his eye. I handed him his glasses and I said, those guys are a bunch of jerks. They should really get lives. 
can I help you out here? And he looked at me and said, hey, thanks. And there was a big smile on his face. And it was one of those smiles that showed real gratitude. I helped him pick up his books and asked him where he lived, and it turned out that he lived real near to me. And I, so I asked him why I had never seen him before. And he said he had gone to private school before coming to this school. Now, I would have never hung out with a private school kid before now. Yet we talked all the way home, and I told him that if he needed a friend, that I would be one for him. He turned out to be pretty cool. And I asked him if he wanted to play football on Saturday with me and my friends. He said yes. We hung out all weekend. And the more I got to know Kyle, the more I liked him. And my friends thought the, the same of him. Monday morning came, and there was Kyle with his huge stack of books again. And I stopped him and said, you're really going to build some serious muscles with this pile of books every day. He just laughed and handed me half of the books. And over the next four years, Kyle and I became best friends. When we were seniors, he had to prepare a speech for graduation as the valedictorian. I was so glad it wasn't me having to get up there and speak. Graduation day arrived, and I saw Kyle. He looked great. He was one of those guys who really found himself during high school. And I could see that he was really nervous about his speech. And so I smacked him on the back and said, hey, you're going to do awesome. And he looked at me with one of those looks, the really grateful kind, and smiled and said, thanks. As he started his speech, he cleared his throat and began. He said, graduation is a time to thank those who helped you make it through those tough years. Your parents, your teachers, your siblings, maybe a coach, but mostly your friends. And I'm here to tell you all, I'm here to tell all of you that being a friend to someone is the best gift that you can give them. I'm going to tell you a story. And I stared at my friend in disbelief as he told the story of the first day we met and how he had planned to kill himself over the weekend. He talked of how he had cleaned out his locker so his mom wouldn't have to do it later. And it's why he was carrying all of his stuff home. He looked at me and gave me that smile and said, thankfully I was saved through the kind words of a stranger who would later become my best friend. Her kindness saved me from doing the unspeakable. I heard the gasp go through the crowd at this handsome popular, as this handsome popular boy told us all about his weakest moment. And I saw his mom and dad looking at me and smiling that same grateful smile. Not until, I mo not until that moment did I realize the power of my words. There's power in each of our words. So what are you constructing? Are you building people up? Or are your words, maybe even inadvertently, tearing others down? When you leave a room, are people better for it? When you leave a conversation, are people better because of you? I want to be known as someone who builds people up. How about you? And it all depends what comes out of my big, fat mouth. So I want to give you a challenge, 24-hour challenge to encourage someone around you. Maybe it's a text, maybe it's a phone call, maybe it's an email, maybe it's face-to-face, -face, maybe it's before you leave today. But over the next seven days, I want to encourage you to encourage someone at least once a day for the next seven days. 
to be intentional to think, who is it that I could encourage? I'm going to make a plan to do it, and I'm going to follow through. I'll join you if you'll join me. As we allow God to help shape and form our words to breathe life into other people. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only what's going to build them up according to their needs. That those who listen may benefit from it. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, I just pray in this moment that you would speak to our hearts about who's in our sphere of influence that needs some encouragement right now. Who is it that needs to hear something positive, something grateful, something that will bring home field advantage into their life? We know our words of power and thank you for this reminder from your word today of how we should use those words. And may we represent you well at home, at school, at work, wherever it might be. May people be better off because of the difference you've made in us and the words we've been able to speak into their life. Help us all week this week, every day, would you help us to make a plan to be encouraging and to follow through that our words would bring life to people this week. In Jesus' name we pray.